0: hi warren my name is Keta. i'm about to receive divorce interest and i just want to find out from you how to work around this the plan for me is to um, move everything into a preservation fund obviously to avoid uh, paying the taxmen, and then afterwards have that one uh, withdrawal because i'm still under 50. Um, But at the same time, I want to make sure that, you know, I start myself up. I pay lawyer, like the attorneys' fees, because I've got a a, a minor child who is 12, whose education is very important to me, who was forced to um, actually like, you know, move from where he was to a different school. So I need to be able to do that and possibly um, get myself a a pre-loved car just a, a simple pre-loved car so that i'll be able to move around i'm currently staying at home and the key thing is obviously to move out and get our own place so i just need to find out from you uh what would you suggest in terms of preservation funds is there a single uh preservation fund uh that you can that you you can recommend that i look into or like what's what's out there that i can actually you know uh, do as well um like i said i haven't been working for the last three years and um there haven't been any income except for um like you know the 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 minimum um um uh like funding if i can put it that way maintenance from um the 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 husband so if you can just assist in terms of like you know helping me get a clearer um like you know second opinion but i know for sure it's i'm going to preserve it but i just want to understand and have more insight in terms of if there is a preservation fund out there which you would recommend thank you so much bye
1: hi keto i'm I'm really sad to hear about your divorce and I'm I'm really sorry. It seems just listening to you, like I can hear pain in your, in your, in your questions and, and the cost to you and your, and your son in this situation is awful. I'm I'm just, it's really sad to hear that. So I think, uh, you know if we're going to talk about preservation funds uh, you know uh, th- just to explain for for our our, our listeners what happens when when uh, a couple get divorced is p- part of the divorce order can be that uh, that that one spouse who has let's say a big uh, a big pro- a provident fund that uh, that provident fund can be divided um, into two and, and then that gets split between both spouses. so it's part of a of a divorce order uh, and and then the, the spouse who's receiving it then has the, the the choice to to move that money into a, a retirement fund of their in their own name. And, and certainly, Ketta, my, my view is that you are really smart to 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 focus on preserving that money. You know, not not taking the payout where you might end up paying away. You know, up to nearly half of that money in tax to to SARS is is a smart call. I think you know p- people who cash in their retirement funds, um, they, they don't. You know, they only just see the money that they're going to get immediately, and they don't think about. The fact that they've lost so much of the value of that, uh, that that money to SARS, and it's money that will never ever be recovered. So, so I think for you to focus on on a preservation fund, really good idea. I, I, I can't uh, agree with it more. Uh, I almost think you know it, it's something that we should we should focus on and, and try and sacrifice uh, many other things before we start to to cash in our our retirement funds uh, to to help us out of short term financial problems. If we did that, um, and you're able to preserve your money for. For you know, to to the age of sixty-five, you you will you will be putting yourself in a totally different financial position than if you were to cash in that money early. So, so I really can't encourage you enough to try and preserve it at at almost any cost. Um, you know, if that means that you you know you've got to stay at home a bit longer. Um, you know, and and save up a bit more money. The, the, you know, that's that's. A, I know it's a tough thing to do, but to me, a smaller price to pay than uh, the, the, than cashing in the the preservation fund. So it is about trade-offs. It is about choice, but but preservation is is really important. Uh, in, in terms of, of preservation fund providers, uh, there, there are lots. So, so just generally, who would who would offer preservation funds? The, all the insurance uh, c- companies that offer um, you know offer investments will 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 have uh, preservation funds. Uh, most of the unit trust companies will also have preservation funds. And then you'll find some of the 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 kind of index tracking providers will will also have preservation funds. And for regular listeners of Honest Money, you will know that uh, for me, I have a big focus on 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 making. Making sure that your investment costs are as low as possible. Uh, so, so I tend to favour uh, the unit trust company preservation funds and the exchange traded fund or index tracking uh, um, preservation fund providers in the market today. If you were looking at a unit trust uh, a provider, I think uh, you know a company like Alan Gray has a has really good administration. You can go direct. You don't need to. Um, you know, you don't need to deal through an advisor. Uh, you might need advice, so that's important to understand. But but if you feel that you know what you're doing uh, and you simply need a platform uh, to help you with with storing a preservation fund, uh, Alan Gray have a very good platform, uh, you know, very good administration And then a very big range of funds, you know, not just Alan Gray funds, but index funds uh, and and other companies, uh, other unit trust companies funds as well that you can look at there. If you're kind of closer to 30 than to 50, then, you know, then make sure that you invest that money um, to get a a, a decent amount of capital growth, which means you're looking at, you know, something with a large allocation to shares. And generally those are called balanced funds. So you're looking at a balanced fund or a a high growth, uh, high growth fund which you know which might have a maximum of 75% in shares um if you're if you're comfortable to go the index tracking route, they, then I, I think there are probably two or three good providers. My personal favourites are, uh, are are Art uh, Artvest. I, I think that their, their cost base is extremely low um, for for investments of a decent size, and 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 certainly you know they, they ask you some good questions about your risk profile and, and your time horizon and all those things, and then they help you with the fund recommendation. So so I, I think Outvest is good, and and if you're looking for a second choice there. You know, you you could do a lot worse than looking at 10x as as another provider. Uh, I'm not a big fan of of, of some of the other uh, ETF or index trackers, so so those would be my two favourites. Uh, I think in terms of the other decisions, you, you know, that you need to make. I, I think you, you know, mo- moving out of home as fast as possible. Um, you know, if you're staying with your, your parents, uh, I'm not I'm not sure. that uh, that, that's the best call, you know, rather give yourself a chance to, to get, you know, get on your feet financially, you know, if you need to start earning again uh, and start building up an emergency fund and then, you know, you can look at the car purchases and, and then look at finally moving out. Um, You know, you might find a bit of stability around, uh, you know, for your son around having, you know, other family members there as well is, is a really big help because I think, you know, psychologically, the, the trauma of a divorce is is awful for everybody but but most often kids are are, are the worst uh, worst affected so you know giving giving children as much stability as possible and as much love from you know parents and grandparents as possible is 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 the best you know best solution i think and and so you know maybe take a bit of time before before you move out there um and i wish you all the best i, ho- I hope that this all works out for you Hi, Warren. My name is Lucid and
2: I'd like to know which one between a RA and a tax-free savings account should one prioritise given a limited budget to invest? In other words, if I had 3,000 rand every month to put away should I be putting that in my RA or should I be putting that in my tax-free savings account? I have both and I suppose I want to know when I have additional income should I be throwing that to the tax-free savings account or should I be throwing that to my RA I suppose the corollary of the question is this which one provides greater tax benefit assuming identical performance uh, or both over the long run I hope the question makes sense and Thanks again for answering
1: all our questions. Fantastic show. Thank you. Thanks Lacedi, uh, that's a absolutely brilliant question. Now I think a, lo- a lot of people grapple with uh, the the priority prioritizing of tax freeze or RAs or both or how how do you allocate money when you don't have uh, infinite amount of money to save? Uh, and, and I think the reality Lacedi is that, you know uh, investing is not necessarily an either or business. In other words, you know it doesn't have to be, you know Either a tax-free savings or an RA, it can it can often be both, you know, because there are lots of product providers out there that will take investments into tax-free and RAs with relatively small amounts of money. So you know, if you've got three thousand rand a month to save, you, you know, there's nothing stopping you allocating you know one five a month to an RA and one five a month to a uh, tax free. So I think uh, you, you know when I don't know what to do um you know when I'm choosing uh, b- between uh, investments and I, and I think that they're both relatively good I I'll often take both you know if I don't know what to do I, I I prefer to spread my risks and and spread my diversification you know optimally. So so I think maybe just to make that point as a start. But I'm not avoiding the answer. I think the, the to, to me, just to understand the differences there, w- when you make a contribution to a retirement annuity, uh, it's important to remember that the SARS is giving you uh, some of that contribution back on a monthly basis uh, on, on the tax that you're paying. So if you're earning a salary where you're paying tax and you make a contribution to an RA, uh, some of the tax that you're paying is either going to be reduced on a monthly basis or at the end of a tax year, you're going to get some of that, that contribution to the RA back from SARS as a refund. And, and that contribution is certainly valuable. You know, I think it's it, it, it does have a very big uh, material value to you. Uh, and then important to understand about the RA that once the money is invested in the RA, so let's say you've got 10,000 rand sitting in the RA for the next 20 years, all of the growth of that RA will will be completely tax-free. So RAs themselves pay no tax on income, on dividends, on capital gains tax, anything, no no income on rent or anything like that. So so the growth inside an RA is tax-free. And also when that RA matures and and you decide to draw money from the RA one day because it's now converted to a living annuity, it's important to remember that the growth inside the living annuity is also tax-free. So so you are potentially getting many decades of tax-free growth of the money inside the, the, the RA or the the living annuity one day when it when it matures, uh, so so I think it's important to know that, and and then to know that when you get the money from the RA one day, in other words, you retire from the RA and you start earning an income, that income that you draw from the RA will be taxed, but but only the income. In other words, if you're drawing. Five thousand rand a month from your RA, uh, you'll be you'll be paying PAYE on the five thousand rand a month. And and for people that are that are in fairly low tax brackets, um, you know, at retirement, uh, you, you know, if they're if they're only ever going to draw, you know, a hundred thousand rand a year, for example, from from their living annuity, you might find that actually they end up paying no tax. You know, they're below the the, the tax thresholds, and especially as they get older, that, that a lot of the income that they draw from their their living annuity could be very very low tax or even tax free uh it's not the same for people that that have that are going to have huge ra's you know at retirement where you're sitting on 20 or 30 million rand in an RA and you retire from that, you are going to pay quite a lot of PAYE. So, so it's important to know, um, you know, you know, get an idea of what sort of money you're going to have at retirement. You know, If you're a big earner over time then, you know, RAs might not be as tax efficient at, at retirement. Uh, and then last comment on RA is just remember that an RA you, uh, you can leave it to your children or to other beneficiaries and it will fall outside of your estate which means that an RA attracts no estate duty and no executive's fees when you leave it to a beneficiary, and the same would apply to a living annuity. So for, for very wealthy people, they would often build up big retirement funds and then draw a small amount from that retirement fund through their lifetime and then leave it to their children, and it becomes a very nice estate planning tool. So, so there are lots of benefits to an RA. The downsides of an RA, uh, if you're buying an RA from a, a, you know, an insurance company where the costs are very high, uh, that, that's going to be really bad for you. So, so you've got to make sure that if you're buying an RA, um, you're buying one that's very low cost, very transparent and able to be moved without penalty. So you are allowed to transfer RAs in terms of the law uh, and, and just make sure that you, you choose one you know, from a unit trust platform or an ETF platform uh, w- where you don't pay penalties for moving. So in contrast to that is the tax-free savings account. So, so you don't get any tax benefits for making a contribution to, to a tax-free. In other words, SARS is not going to give you some sort of tax break when you make a contribution. But all of the money that you put into a tax-free, all of the growth of that will be completely tax-free during the lifetime of the investment and when you draw the money out of the investment. So it will be what it says on the box. In other words, it's always going to be tax-free. But it's always made. The contributions are always made with after-tax money. So, so for me, the thing I like about a tax-free is that uh, it the money is always accessible in an emergency. So, so it's not like an RA where you won't be able to access your money before age 55. Uh, you can access the money in your um, in your tax-free at any time, and then you've got a really wide range of choices for for your investments inside a tax-free. You know, you can put. You know, I'm not my favorite idea at all, but you could have it 100% in a money market account. Uh, or you could have it 100% invested in shares, you know, like a, 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 a SA. Stock market ETF or a global ETF or a combination, and for me, you know, uh, I think tax-free savings accounts are very long-term investments. Although you can access the money at any time, you should be investing that money for for you know many decades, and and then you want uh, you know something that's got a maximum exposure to shares and definitely a good spread between SA and and global markets, and and you know the the, the idea of le- letting that grow for the next twenty or thirty years, uh, I, I think is really attractive. So for people who are are planning to stay in South Africa over their entire lifetime uh, I, I would I would say to them you know that if you've got let's, let's use your example of 3000 rand a month I I would probably split that contribution uh, 50-50 um, and then, uh, you know, if you get more money, uh, you know, you get a raise or, you, you know, you change jobs or something and you've got a bit more money to save, then I would split that contribution, f- you know, again. So, in other words, keep, keep maximizing your contribution uh, to, to both investments until the point where you've reached your maximum allowed investment into a tax free, which is either 3000 a month or 36000 a year and then you can keep directing money to the to the ra to the point where you you get the maximum tax benefit so so i think uh, i'm i'm going to sit on the fence a little bit Lissetti, and say a 50-50 split is good um, but if you only choose one uh, then i'd probably start with the tax free first simply because of that ability to to access the money Uh, you know in an emergency uh, although it's really not meant to be an emergency fund but but just that it's there for you um, and you have access to the money but as soon as I can I'd start to then contribute money into an RA once I start to earn a bit more money after that if you're going to leave the country you know if you're not planning to stay in South Africa then I I don't think an RA makes sense in which case your tax-free contribution is the is the better way to go I hope that uh, that helps thank you for listening to Honest Money If you have any questions, you're welcome to reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Warren Ingram. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Chat soon.